0: Welcome to the Primary Ride Home for Wednesday, July 3rd, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins. Today, new post-debate polling shows mixed results, Biden releases his Q2 numbers, Hickenlooper's campaign loses key staffers, and Bennett releases his Q2 numbers. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. First up today, you may recall that yesterday I was holding off on talking about post-debate polls until the high-quality ones came in. Well, yesterday, Quinnipiac University released their latest poll, and there is plenty of news there. So, first up, I want to talk about methodology before we get into the numbers. This poll was conducted via phone, including both cell phones and landlines, between June 28th, which was the Friday after the debate, and July 1st, which was Monday. It has a rather large margin of error of plus or minus five points, and the poll only included quote, self-identified Democrats or Democratic-leaning voters, end quote. And the one other thing I've got to get through before the numbers is the various grains of salt we have to crunch on while talking about these numbers. For one thing, a margin of error of five points is kind of big-ish, so keep in mind that any or all of these numbers could be off by a lot, by as many as five points. The other thing is, this is essentially a snapshot in time. And that time is, you know, right now. And right now is seven months out from the first actual caucus and primary voting. What I mean by that is, if you look at this poll, it's not telling you who's going to win the primary. It's telling you how voters view the candidates today, and if you check out the trends, how that has changed over time. Okay, so what do the polls say? I can hear you all shouting at your phones. Well, let me just read the incredibly long headline provided by Quinnipiac. Quote, Harris gets big debate bounce while Biden sinks, Quinnipiac University national poll finds, despite drop, Biden's still seen as best bet against Trump. End quote. Yeah, so basically, Harris is crushing it in this poll, Warren remains steady, and support for the earliest frontrunners, Biden and Sanders, is declining somewhat. Also, Buttigieg is down a little from the last three rounds of polling, but he's at the top of the low-polling pack. Reading from the first paragraph of the release, quote, After Democratic presidential contenders duked it out over two nights of debates, former Vice President Joseph Biden hit his lowest number yet in the Democratic primary race with 22% of the vote among Democrats and Democratic leaners, virtually tied with California Senator Kamala Harris, who has 20% of the vote. Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren follows at 14%, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders is at 13%, and South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg gets 4%, end quote. Okay, so in the headline I read earlier, the polling firm suggests that Biden is still, quote, seen as best bet against Trump, end quote. What's up with that? Well, there were, of course, multiple questions asked, and one of them asked about the person's preference for a given candidate but another asked about who the respondent thought could actually beat Trump in a given election. I actually want to read the first question here because it emphasizes the incredible size of this field, and I feel super bad for people who had to read or listen to this question on an actual phone line. Quote, If the Democratic primary for president were being held today, and the candidates were... Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Beto O'Rourke, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, Kirsten Gillibrand, Amy Klobuchar, Julian Castro, Tulsi Gabbard, Jay Inslee, John Hickenlooper, John Delaney, Pete Buttigieg, Andrew Yang, Marianne Williamson, Wayne Messum, Eric Swalwell, Tim Ryan, Seth Moulton, Michael Bennett, Steve Bullock, Bill de Blasio, Mike Gravel, and Joe Sestak. For whom would you vote? End quote. So that is the question where Harris jumped up. She went from just 7% in last month's poll to 20% in this new one. And Biden went from 30% in the June poll down to 22% in this one. By the way, Sanders also dipped from 19% in June to 13 now, though if you look at the trend for Sanders in particular, he seems to bounce around a lot. That's different from Biden, who has actually steadily declined in Quinnipiac polls since the month after he announced his candidacy. Okay, so back to that thing about beating Trump in the general. Here's how that question was worded. Quote, Regardless of how you intend to vote in the Democratic primary for president, which candidate do you think has the best chance of winning against Donald Trump in the 2020 presidential election? End quote. Now, in that one, Biden got 42% down from 56 in April. Harris had 14%. Now, that's way up from just two in April, but it's way, way behind Biden. Sanders had 13%, up slightly since his 12 in April, and the rest are in single digits. So in the snapshot we are looking at right now, we have a field where Biden leads the electability question trailed at a great distance by Harris, Sanders, and Warren. I'm going to cover one final question from this Quinnipiac poll, which was asked only of people who said they either watched or paid attention to media coverage of the debates last week. The question is, quote, regardless of who you support, which candidate do you think did the best job in the recent debates? End quote. And then, yeah, they listed the 10 candidates, which I'm not going to do right here. So here's what's interesting. Among people who watched, 52% said that Harris did the best job. Next was Warren with 16%, then Biden at 6 Buttigieg and Sanders at 5 Castro at 4 and a handful of others at 1%. But that is not the only poll that we need to talk about today. A poll conducted by Langer Research Associates for ABC News and The Washington Post showed different results. Its margin of error is similar at 5.5%, and they'd also used cell phones and landlines between June 28th and July 1st. That's all pretty much the same. However, they started by asking an open-ended question. The question was, quote, If the 2020 Democratic primary or caucus in your state were being held today, for whom would you vote? End quote. No list of candidates there. That question resulted in Biden getting 25%, Sanders getting 18%, Harris and Warren tied at 9%, Buttigieg at 3 and then everybody else either at 1% or nothing. Then they asked the same question essentially over again, but this time listing all the names. And that time, the results were similar, but everybody picked up a few points. Now, again, in this second poll, Biden crushed the electability question with 45%, and Sanders was second at 18, with everybody else in single digits. So at least those two polls line up there. Also in the second poll, Harris won the debate question again with 41%, but the methodology was different in that on that question, respondents could list up to four candidates. So, What do we make of these differences? Like, why would one poll have Harris neck and neck with Biden, but another has her trailing by 16 points? I'm not enough of a polling expert to say much about that here. The main thing I can tell is that the polls did differ slightly in their methodology, with the second poll starting by asking respondents to name a candidate on their own. That's an open-ended question. Now, that might tend to favor people like Biden and Sanders, who have had excellent name recognition all along. Then again, when I listed out a zillion candidates earlier, did that really make a difference, like a like a sixteen point difference? I don't know. So let's hear from Nate Cohn, who is a New York Times reporter on elections and polling. On Twitter, he commented on a chart that showed various recent primary polls and how their trends look over time. The polls disagreed on the Harris versus Biden thing, like I just talked about, and also the trends for many of the candidates have changed a lot over time. Cohn wrote, "Quote." The main thing this chart reminds me, there's so long to go. It was easy to think Harris was a flop one week ago. It was easy to think Warren was a flop three months ago, or that Beto was a star. I'm not saying it was irrelevant that Warren seemed like a goner at the end of Q1, or Harris seemed like she couldn't break out a week ago, but I do think it's easy to care too much about what's happening right now. Today, it is easy to think Harris and Warren are unstoppable and Biden is doomed. It could turn out that way. It could also look just as ridiculous as thinking Beto was amazing and Warren was doomed at the end of Q1. End quote. The Primary Ride Home is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of classes covering all kinds of skills. We're talking everything from fine art, to creative writing, to web development, to photography, you name it. So whether you've got a project you've always wanted to finish and just need to learn how to get it done, or you're challenging yourself to get outside your comfort zone by learning a new skill, Skillshare has classes for you. Okay, so one of my big hobbies is photography. Now I've got a decent camera and I've got a lens and stuff, but there's one thing I've always wanted to try and I just never knew how to get started. And that's astrophotography. That is taking pictures of the night sky so you can see the Milky Way and the stars and stuff. Well, Skillshare has got a class for that. It is called Nightscapes Landscape Astrophotography. 30 minutes and you've got everything you need to know right down to the settings to punch into your camera and a map to find a dark spot near where you live. to do this for years and it took me half an hour to learn how using skillshare so join the millions of students already learning on skillshare today with a special offer just for you get two free months you heard that right skillshare is offering primary ride home listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free to sign up go to skillshare.com prh again that is skillshare.com slash prh to start your two free months today Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This next story broke literally as I was hitting the print button on the script and about to head into the recording booth. So I'm going to keep it short for today. All right. Breaking news time. Joe Biden released his Q2 fundraising numbers and he brought in $21.5 million in Q2. Now, keep in mind that he was only in the race for 66 days out of the quarter, but that number still looks a lot lower than I expected. Mayor Pete Buttigieg beat Joe Biden in fundraising in Q2. And this is Biden's first quarter, when he reportedly called upon his base of existing donors and friends, who are now likely tapped out, having given him the maximum they can. Meanwhile, Sanders got fairly close at around $18 million, but his average donation was way lower than both Biden and Buttigieg, meaning he can likely go back to his same donor base and keep asking them for money in a way that the others may not be able to. So for those of us looking at Joe Biden as a runaway frontrunner, that narrative is about to change. This story is literally about 10 minutes old as I record this, so it's likely more will come out. The other details I have right now are that 97% of Biden's contributions were under $200, and he had 265,000 donors, many of them gave multiple times. His average donation was $49, and I will follow up on this one tomorrow. Yesterday, Politico ran a story about internal struggles within former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper's campaign. The story is by Alex Thompson and Nolan D. McCaskill, and I'll read part of the first two paragraphs here to give you a sense of what they found. Quote, Hickenlooper's senior team urged him last month to withdraw from the presidential race gracefully and run for Colorado's Senate seat or pursue other opportunities, a source familiar with the situation told Politico. The source said that the campaign only has about 13,000 donors making it almost impossible to qualify for the next round of presidential debates in the fall. The campaign also only raised just over $1 million in the second quarter about what he raised in the first 48 hours of his candidacy, and will likely run out of money completely in about a month. End quote. Yeah, so if that's true, and we should know for sure by mid-month when the numbers come out and are verified, then that's a really big problem. The story goes on to explain that a major chunk of the senior staff, including Hickenlooper's campaign manager, finance director, communications director, and others, are all either gone or on their way out the door. If Hickenlooper only has 13,000 donors total, then he really needs to pick it up to make the debates in September. For that debate and the one after, the DNC will require a minimum of 130,000 donors, Plus, the candidate has to hit 2% in four different polls within a two-month window of time. Hickenlooper has only hit 2% in one poll so far, and that poll won't count because it happened before that time window. So, this sure sounds like no more debates after July for Hickenlooper. Politico also points out that it might be tricky for Hickenlooper to jump into the Colorado Senate race at this point because that Democratic primary field is fairly crowded too. The winning Democrat there would be up against Republican Senator Cory Gardner in the general. As with many presidential candidates in this race, Hickenlooper has faced internal pressure from the party to try a Senate run instead. But Hickenlooper says he is remaining focused on the presidency. In an interview on MSNBC with Craig Melvin, Hickenlooper responded to the staff shakeup. I'm just going to play a short clip from that. There's a link to this in the show notes. It's embedded within the story on this topic by The Hill. If you're interested, there is a lot more that happens in this interview. Okay, listen in. John Hickenlooper joining me now. Uh, Thank you so much for your time. Do do appreciate it, Governor. You just lost your your campaign manager, your finance director.
1: You're losing your spokesperson as well. Why so many changes at the top of the team right now? Well, we thought it was time to make a change. It's You know, uh, these campaigns are... Are long, hard campaigns, and you don't always get it right with the the first team. It's a little bit, you know. I used to be in the restaurant business, and it's a little bit like uh, uh, putting a restaurant together. Sometimes you, you know, you don't quite get the right uh, the, the right team in the, at the right time. Did did you let them go, or did they quit? Oh, a, a combination of the two. <laughs> you know, uh, we felt that there was, you know, it was it was the right time for a change.
0: Hickenlooper continued by explaining that both in the restaurant business and in previous political campaigns, changing the team had worked well for him, and suggested that he believes it will work in this campaign as well. Last up today, Colorado Senator Michael Bennett released his Q2 numbers this morning. His campaign says it brought in about $2.8 million, plus, transferred in $700,000 of cash from a Senate campaign fund making his total receipts around $3.5 million. He did not release the number of donors, the average donation, or any other info like that. Now, because Bennett launched his campaign on May 2nd, he has no Q1 numbers to compare against. Given the story earlier about Hickenlooper, who's the other Colorado candidate, this might be a strategic release showing that he has superior financials. But of course, until Hickenlooper actually officially tells us those numbers, rather than leaks from unnamed sources, we can't be sure. One good thing for Bennett in these numbers is that, like I said, he was only in the race for two months out of the three months in that quarter. So to get this kind of number is decent, though it does put him in the lower tier. By comparison, in Q1, it would have put him in between Representative Tulsi Gabbard, who brought in almost $4.5 million, and Andrew Yang, who brought in $2.4 million. So again, we've got to see what the other candidates raised in Q2 to know more about where Bennett stands relative to them financially. But if that Hickenlooper funding leak is true, Bennett's release would be yet another blow to Hickenlooper. Well, that is it for one more episode of The Primary Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter, at Chris Higgins. Well, I hope you have some plans for Independence Day. I personally am thinking about getting out there and taking some photos of the fireworks. Though, to be perfectly honest, my bedtime and my northern latitude combine to make that a little tricky, so we'll see. In any case, I hope you can take a day off and celebrate our nation. As always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. Yes, there will be a show tomorrow, then I am off on Friday.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels.